In today's show, I'm going to be joined by Matt Smith, and we're going to be talking about point guard tiers for fantasy basketball drafting. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we're available on all platforms. We're here to talk Matt Smith, point guard tiers. I'll discuss what we mean by this. It is going to be more based on categories where there are differences based on points leagues. I will bring that up as we do it, but the the tiers we put up there, and we'll have some disagreements on these tiers a little bit as well. We'll talk about that through the show. So, Warnie. Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's bring him in. He's back. He's on the show. Matt Smith, welcome. Josh, good to talk to you again. How are you? Good, mate. It's good to uh, be back. It means fantasy basketball and the NBA season is just around the corner. We've got tiers to talk about. We do it every time, every year on the Point Guard Show. Matt, I throw it over to you to explain what we're talking about here with tiers. Yeah, so basically what we're trying to do is sort players of similar overall value. Um, and that comes from um, the projections that you've done, Josh, over on Basketball Monster, based on um, players' standard league eight-cap value. Um, so obviously the, your format, your settings, your strategy will shuffle these players up and down. But like I said, we're trying to group players a similar overall value. And then what that does is it just breaks down the draft a little bit more and identifies um, positional scarcity and where we might need to take some players either early or late um, and helps just identify, you know, you might like a couple of point guards in, in tier two or tier three that you want to go go for early. Or maybe you can sit back and wait for a point guard in, in tier five, six, seven, whatever it might be. So it just helps to identify um, sort of where players are situated in the draft, whether there's any runs like last year, we had that big man run in sort of rounds three and four. Um, so yeah, hopefully it'll just break down the draft a little bit further. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of point guards go early. You're going to see like yeah, 18, 19 or so go in the first five to six rounds. It's going to be pretty heavy. Early on with point guards, the other thing that is important when you're watching all of these shows is a tier four point guard is not the same as a tier four shooting guard. It doesn't mean they should be in the same spot. Um, those tiers don't equate because, of course, you know we know there's more weakness in the shooting guard crop. So a tier four shooting guard, off the top of my head, might be the 80th player, but a point guard might be the 40th player. So just be aware of that as well. I will try and highlight where there is a difference between category leagues and points leagues. And there are going to be a bunch of players who we do this point guard show that we aren't going to mention because they're going to be in a shooting guard show. So we're talking DeJounte Murray, Shea Gildas-Alexander, Tyrese Maxey, Ben Simmons will be in the power forward show, Terry Rogier, even though he's got point guard eligible, won't be on this show. Um... Who else am I missing that won't be included? Uh, Colin Sexton, Anthony Simons. They won't be on this show. So a lot of guys that have that dual eligibility, but we expect them to start at shooting guard or next to another point guard. We're going to push them across. Donovan Mitchell is another guy with point guard eligibility. We'll have him on the shooting guard show, which will come out tomorrow, most likely. So just when you say, where's this guy? The most likely answer is he's coming 
on the other on another show in, in another category designation, most likely in the one that follows directly after this when we are talking about shooting guards. Matt, that brings us to tier one. Tier one point guards, there's two guys. Who are they? Yeah, there is. There's James Harden and Luka Dontich. And should also add that tier one doesn't necessarily meet a round one and tier two is not a round two. Um, so don't don't get that confused either. But for me, James Harden and Luka Dontich are both top five players this season. Um, I know, you know, there might be a little bit of conjecture around that and maybe they fall to six, seven, eight. But I really like Harden to have a bounce back season. Struggled a little bit last year, only shot 41% from the field. Um, but if that can return to even sort of 43, 44, 45, that'll give him a big boost in value. And Luca, you can pencil him in for 30, 10, 10 a night. His free throw efficiency isn't elite like other players in the first round, but it's not punt worthy. Many people think, oh, I'm going to draft Luca. Draft I must punt free throws. That's definitely not the case. Um, and his steal rate obviously is a little bit lower as well, but you can make that up later in drafts. So yeah, for me, those two guys are, are in the tier um, on their own and for um, both top five players, in my opinion. Yeah, I th- I would have Harden ahead of Doncic, I think, but Doncic is going to go ahead of Harden in most spots. There are people who told me they wouldn't take Harden until the end of the second round, which is clearly insanity. I don't know why you would do that. He's going towards the end of the first round. I, to me, he's a top five, top six player pretty comfortably. Like last season on a per-game basis, he was fifth. Um, points leagues, he drops off a little bit. So Doncic over Harden in a points league, but these are you're still the guys I think you want up the top of your draft. In a points league, we'll talk about this guy later for category leagues. I would have Ja Morant up in this list. Uh, he was top. He was 11th in points leagues last season, so he's right in this mix. He's either tier one or tier two, but for category leagues, he's not He's not as high there, but I would consider him around the Harden level in a points league. Um, tier two is a little bit more expansive. Matty, we've got Steph, Lamelo, Trey Young, Damian Lillard, and Tyrese Halliburton. I can easily see a scenario where all of these five guys, plus the previous two, go in the first round. Yep, and I definitely agree with that, and and I have them all as top 12 players as well. A lot of people might have Steph in that top tier and the top five player, which is completely fine as well. I think he'll just slightly drop back a little bit. Shouldn't be enough to drop him out of the top 10 or 12, but I like him him in that sort of that 6 to 12 range. Um, who you want to take and, and how you want to sort these players is completely up to you, and, and it is extremely difficult. They all come with their own sort of strengths and weaknesses. Um, some people might think Tyrese Halliburton is a little bit early, but just the elite assists and steals that he provided and the, and the awesome efficiency as well coming across to Indiana last year. Um, if that can continue, then, yeah, I don't think there's any reason why he can't be a, a top sort of 15 player on a per-game value and a top 12 player on on a total value given some of the other injury concerns around that spot. Yeah, so you talk about guys like Kyrie or Kawhi or Anthony Davis or LeBron who all will have significant worries about availability and that might push Tyrese into that end of the first round discussion. I guess the worry I have a little bit with Tyrese and I'm big on taking him around the turn around that 14 type of area is that if it is his value is so heavily influenced by steals if that falls away because he's playing more attention offensively. We already saw it with the Pacers point guard in Malcolm Brogdon is that when the usage went up, the steal rate went down and that might impact his efficiency. The exact same thing happened with Brogdon as well. And if those two things happen, then he's not he's not worthy of being taken near these other guys. We have baked a little bit of that in that some of that's going to drop off, but yeah, 1.7 steals could become 1.3 and then he's nowhere near this area. Like he's he's not a first or probably even a second round guy. So that, that is a risk I think associated there. I'm not worried about Lillard's injury. I'm a little worried about Trey Young, but I want to get your t- take on this because Trey Young was great last season. We know that sixth ranked player overall, but the year before he was not a top 10 or top 20 player. So 
yeah, DeJounte arrives. Yeah, okay. There's a little bit of, well, not disaster potential, but maybe disaster potential with Trey. Um, I'm not as concerned. I'm feeling pretty comfortable about Trey again this season. The elite points, the elite assists, he could lead, um, lead the league in assists or quite easily be up there in the top three or four. Um, the strong threes, the good free throw uh, efficiency as well. So, yeah, maybe, you know, Deontay takes a little bit um, and, you know, the Hawks will be, be gunning for that sort of probably top six seed in the in the East. But um, I'd be be more than comfortable taking Trey in the in the top 10. He finished 21st in 2020, 2021. Um, he scored you know, three fewer points per game that season. And that's, I guess, somewhat of, of my concern there is just that if he does... Yeah, I think he loses a little bit of scoring, but we've already seen him you know, two years ago when they added Gallinari and Bogdanovich. He sort of struggled a little bit of where to fit in and did lose a little bit of that usage. So there is somewhat of a... I'm not massively concerned. I'm still going to take him in that first round, but it's not an absolute slam dunk that he maintains that value because we've already seen him have a drop-off after a really good... He was seventh two years ago and then was... Or three years ago, then was 21st and then back to sixth. So... It has gone up and down a little bit over the last three seasons. We'll get to tier three in a sec, Matt. Now, I know you're going to be upset because I'm going to talk about Bilt Bar, and I haven't sent one to you yet. I'm going to get you some boxes of Bilt Bars out because they are the best-tasting protein bar ever. They've got a new one. It is the Cookie Dough Chunk Puff. It's like delicious, chewy puff, marshmallowy texture in the middle, covered in 100% real chocolate and filled with real cookie dough chunks. They're 160 calories only, 15 grams of protein. They're low in sugar, low in carbs, low in fat. And when you're looking for a delicious, healthy treat, something after the gym or just a snack, Built Bar is going to be the one you want to grab. So head to Built.com, use our code LOCKEDON15. That'll save you 15% off your order of Built Bars and Built Puffs and whatever other Built products they've got. So get to Built.com, use the code LOCKEDON15. That'll save you 15% off your order. Built Bar is Built Different. Tier 3 is empty, Matty. There's no one really in it apart from one bloke, and that is Kyrie Irving, who I expect will be clearly a first-round player on a per-game basis, and I don't think that I would want to take him in the first round. Now, the arguments, and I just discussed this on my mock draft that I did earlier today, people go, well, now he doesn't have the vaccine problem. Um, he's in a contract year. He's going to play tons of, of, of minutes. Well, last year was a contract year for him as well. And Matt, two years ago, our worry with Kyrie wasn't personal leave or anything like that. It was that he got hurt all the bloody time. So mm-hmm. that, I don't, has that risk gone away? Is he now magically, again, people love throwing out terms and changing their mind. Like Apparently, he's not injury prone now, whereas if we had this discussion two years ago, no way I'm drafting that bloke. He's so injury prone. Have we forgotten about that concern? Is that an issue? I still think he's going to be a solid player, but the issue with him throughout his career hasn't just been personal leave. It's been injuries. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree. I think on a per game basis, he'll be a top 10 player, but I just can't spend a, a top 10 or a top 12 pick on a guy that misses so many games. And like you said, whether it's the injuries, whether it's the vaccine, whether it's, you know, something else that's going on, you know, personal issues, you know, I still don't think, you know, the new, the Brooklyn Nets are one big happy family with um, Kyrie and, and Durant there, despite, you know, the the press release that came out about, you know, they're all going to move forward. Um, does Kyrie finish the season as a Nets player? Who knows? So, I mean, there is a case to, to put Kyrie in, in tier two with those other players, but, like I said, for me, he's just it's just going to be a, a headache season long, and um, I'm not comfortable spending a, a top pick um, on him for that reason. Yeah, I think in the second round, it's a real value. This is a legitimate top five upside sort of player, if not top seven, but we've got the risk associated with him. Now, this is where things get a little bit... 
I don't know if iffy is the right word, Matt, where it becomes some disagreements, I think, in terms of where guys are placed and how you're valuing guys and injury risk and all that sort of stuff. In tier four, you've got three guys, Cade Cunningham, Fred Van Vliet, and Darius Garland. Um, I'm not... I'm not sure where I fit with Garland at the moment. I'm a, I'm a little bit down on it with that trade that, that happened with Donovan Mitchell arriving. He just won't have the usage that he had at the end of last season. I think assist opportunities might actually decrease for him somewhat. The minutes that he played last season towards the end of the year will also fall away. So, yeah, these you've got these three guys here, but there are guys that are coming in the tier after, like you know, Chris Paul we haven't discussed yet, Ja Morant we haven't discussed yet, um, somebody else, Drew Holiday haven't discussed yet. I'd be... I'd be inclined to have maybe those guys equal or ahead of Garland even. Yeah, and that's a fair case. And and for me, Garland's probably like a tier four and a half almost. Like mm-hmm. I think I still have Garland above Chris Paul and Andrew Holiday and yep. slightly behind Caden and Van Vliet. I expect Cade to probably be a late second um, sort of pick and Van Vliet close to late second, early third. And then Garland's probably mid to late third. So we could put a little bit of a gap in between them there. Off the top of your head, Josh, when you adjusted the projections after the Donovan Mitchell trade, was it the points or the assists that hurt Garland most? Um, hmm, most. I don't know if it was mo- what was most. I think it was probably the points that were gone from maybe 24 to 21. Assists yeah. may have dropped by one, I think, um, from like eight, eight and a half to seven and a half or something like that. So I think it probably was the points that fell off. I don't know people will say, well, with Mitchell there now, he'll be able to get more assists. But in order to get assists, you actually have to have the ball in your hands a lot more. Like you have to be the one orchestrating the offense. It's not just like, well, someone else there can score, therefore assists will just flow. It doesn't always work that way. Um, he, you have to have the, you have to have the ball in your hand to generate those assists and run the offense. And there'll just be a few. Yeah, uh, some less, lesser, fewer opportunities for him to do that, I think, with Mitchell there versus how it was last season when there was no Rubio, no Sexton, and he was running almost every single play in every single minute they needed a point guard out there. So I think that drops some of those assist opportunities down. So, yeah, we got this tier four, tier five, tier six situation going. I'd almost be inclined to have all of those six guys, the names we mentioned, all almost just pushed together, almost just like a, a take your pick sort of scenario. Yeah, and uh, that's a fair case to make and encourage everyone who's listening and when you're sitting down to do your draft to do a similar exercise and, and group these players and see where the value lies and see where the gaps are in between um, you know, players and, and tiers as well. Let's talk about what is in Tier 5. We've mentioned their names already. Chris Paul and Drew Holiday, the older brigade. Chris Paul... Something like he just didn't really take any threes at all last season. Usage dropped off. I don't know if that will change for him coming up this this season. Um, he was still does what he does. He had really high steals, good assist numbers. I imagine he does that. But at age 37, we have to bake in a little bit of a decrease in production. He was top 20 last season. I don't think that, well, I wouldn't take him in round two. I don't expect that you would either, Matt. No, I wouldn't. And again, I think he's probably a, a mid to late third round guy coming into his 18th season, 37 years of age, is this the Suns' like, sort of last push um, at, a, at a deep playoff run and potentially a championship? So I think Chris will get a little bit of rest throughout the season again. You know, there's always the injury risk with him as well and his, and his hamstrings. Um, and Drew Holiday, super cons- consistent player. You can pretty much pencil him in for, for 18, you know, four to five rebounds, six to seven assists, 1.5 steals, and, and the same with the three. So... 
he's a pretty safe um, third round selection as well. Yeah, I think Drew's really, really safe where he is. One of the other names I should have mentioned when talking about um, guys that bump in points leagues, Darren Fox, we haven't mentioned him yet in the category leagues. So he'd be up in that Kate Cunningham sort of a tier um, in a points league tier system. Jar pushing into tier one probably and uh, De'Aaron pushing into probably Tier 3. They're probably the two biggest winners because of some of the issues with um, percentages. But let's talk about Jar Morant because he is sitting in Tier 6. As I said, I'd probably have him in that 4 to 5 mix. Um, his value of points and assists is, is important, but we have injury concerns with him. We have um, lower lower volume threes, lower volume steals, lower field goal or lower free throw percentage actually, sorry which does overall hurt him. And yeah, that can depend on how you want to fit into what your rest of your team has done. But he's a guy that's already been all over the place in Yahoo ranks. He was initially ranked 14, which was great for a points league and bad for a category league. Now he's at 27, um, which is bad for a points league, but probably okay for a category league. Um, yeah, where what are you seeing with Jar? Like a lot of people say, well, he's he's taking to take another step forward. I'm not sure what that other step forward is for him this season. Like I'm not sure where where he goes above and beyond to a significant degree, but can you rationalize any way that, that can happen? So the two things that Jar can do better to boost his overall value are, like you said, the threes and the steals. We've got him projected for 1.5 threes and one steal. If that can get to 1.8 to two, which right now seems unlikely um, in terms of three-pointers and the steals to 1.2, you know, potentially it could. The issue I have with Jar is I'd struggle to see how he's going to shoot you know, 50% from the field again and average 29 points. I just yeah. think teams are going to come in and focus so heavily on Jar Morant, especially now that Jaron Jackson Jr. is out for the start of the season. Like everyone's going to be focusing on how do we stop Jar Morant. And if that comes back to 27 points per game on 46 or 47% from the field, that's going to drop him back down the rankings, especially if his threes and steals don't pick up. So that's the concern that I have um, for Jar Morant heading into this season. Yeah, I, I can agree with that because he did put up a big, big jump in his two-point percentage last season. And if that doesn't stick, then he's in real trouble because he doesn't have those other things to fall back on necessarily at this point in his career. And he maybe never does ever generate big three numbers or big steal numbers or a really solidly improved free throws. Maybe he does. I wouldn't want to be taking him at pick 15, hoping that all those things come to fruition. I think that's a, a foolish move in a category. In a points league, no worries. I just took him at pick 11 in my points league draft today. He was 11th last season. I got no problem with grabbing him in that area. But in a category league, there are a lot of deficiencies in what he does. And that means that if something drops off a little bit in one of the things where he's really strong, field goal percentage, as we said, which then influences points, you run into some problems. And the other guy we did, or I just mentioned already, Darren Fox is another plywood here in tier seven on his own, but he's like a tier three points league guy because again, the poor free throw percentage really drags him down. He was pretty bad. Like he was outside the top 150 for big stretches of last season and was like top 40 for the last six weeks or two months of the year before an injury ended his season. Um, it's been two years in a row that he's done the same thing and started off horribly and then really come good towards the end of the year. I'm not really banking on that second half production carrying over, but it could. We've seen it for stretches. It could. I don't bank on it, but I think he's an interesting mid-round sort of a player. Yeah, and like you said, if you need need a boost in points, need a boost in, in assist, um, yeah, no, Fox is a fine selection. It's just that free throw percentage that drags him down. If he was shooting you know, 80% from the free throw line, he'd be up in a in the next tier or probably two tiers above. So, um, yeah, fine, fine selection. Just just be aware of that free throw percentage, obviously. Tier eight's a big one. 
Big chunky boy. We've got a lot of guys in here. Kevin Porter Jr., CJ McCullum, Josh Giddy, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brunson. You have Lonzo Ball in there. To me, I'm just not going to bother with him. Like I just don't trust a knee injury that we have no real timetable on, that we don't understand why it's taking this long with bone bruises and meniscus surgeries. It's taking... I just... I'm just not going to put him in this group with guys. I understand the payoff for him is really high. He's probably a tier four player as a healthy player, but I, I, I don't really see how that how that goes down. Like, where are you looking at drafting Lonzo? Uh, right now, I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't draft him in the top hundred in standard legs. I probably wouldn't draft him at all unless you probably need three IR spots because you're probably going to have another long term injury, and then you're going to need another IR spot for those guys who you know, miss a week or two weeks just with nickeling injuries. So this is more on a per game basis and Lonzo, his per game value sits there. But again, overall value, you can bump him right down the board. Um, Jalen Brunson, you know, with his new new team with the Knicks, see how he goes. Josh Giddy, some elite assists here. CJ McCullum with the scoring. So once again, you know, these guys offer different things. Marcus Smart with the steals, but trying to group them all together with that overall value. Um, it's a really good tier to sort of, you know, show how these how these tiers work. Um, Giddy is going really high this season, which I addressed again on my show earlier today, talking about in points leagues, he was 65th or something last season. So that ADP or rank of around 54 is totally fine. In category leagues, there's a lot of deficiencies in his game, man. Now, we talk about how assists are a really valuable category and they're really hard to get, so that gives him a little bit of a boost. He doesn't score well. He's a rebound assist guy who doesn't get steals, doesn't hit threes, and can really struggle at both percentages. He's been a lot really aggressive in the things we've seen from him in off-season workouts, but who cares a lot about that? Um, I would have... I would have concerns with grabbing Giddy, expecting big steps forward in multiple categories. Yeah, no, I'm not expecting that either, but like you said, the... The big reason Giddy is in his in this tier is his elite assists, and outside the top fifty, like assists are extremely difficult to come by. And and after Josh, like where are you going to find sort of seven to eight assists per game? You're probably not. As a bit of a spoiler, there might be maybe one guy later on who could be in that range. But you know, if you are going a different um, in a different direction early with those first sort of three, four, five picks in your draft, and you get to this range, you're like. I need assists, then I can understand, you know, maybe taking Josh Giddy in that 50 to 60 range, which is probably a round or two early. But like I said, I understand that giving, given, you know, assists is so difficult to find. Yeah, they, they can be. Um, Weirdly, he's not listed as a point guard on Yahoo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely no reason why that should be the case. He's listed as a small forward, despite playing zero minutes at small forward. Uh, last season, so he's not listed as a point guard, but we're putting him there because he is the point guard on this team, along with Shea Gildas Alexander, as they share ball handling duties, and nobody else does at all. Um, I think CJ is going to have a bit of a drop off from where he was last season. Well, and Brunson, it's always a worry. Guys coming in and trying to fit into an existing ecosystem. How does the ball get distributed? Where does the usage flow? Especially with two blokes who are high usage and ball hogs in Randall and Barrett. So there are some concerns there with Brunson in that group as well. And Porter, we're just hoping that some of the improvements that he had down the stretch in his shooting numbers, he was also a 39% shooter all season from three. So that's encouraging that we hope that some of that can carry over. You talked about where you're going to get assists, and I think you can get it from one of these guys in tier nine. I think D'Angelo Russell's assist numbers should push him probably a little bit higher than this. He's got plenty of injury worries that have bothered him over the last three to four years as well. Um, I don't think that his role gets impacted huge amounts by Gobert being there. In fact, the fact that Beasley and Beverly aren't there maybe helps him a little bit in terms of just being that 
you know, number one ball handler all of the time. So I think there is some value in him. Lowry, I'm a bit worried about the personal issues because they seem to still be present in his life, which is not great. So missed time. And then there's the headmaster, Jamal Murray. Um, I'm not really worried about Jamal Murray returning, but there are a lot of panic merchants about it. And I could be completely wrong, but people seem to think he'll play 20 minutes a night for three months and then you know, play 40 games and just sit every game. I, I just don't think that's the case. I feel absolutely confident that he'll be up to 30 minutes pretty quickly. If it's not opening night, it'll be pretty quickly uh, on in the season. Uh, what level of worry do you have about Jamal Murray? Um, a small level. I think there might be times, you know, on back-to-backs or whether they've got, you know, four games in a week where they might just try to ease Jamal yep. back early, particularly in the first, you know, sort of October, November, maybe into December. But once we get through those first few months and then he'll really ramp up and get that conditioning back. Um, and D'Angelo Russell, yes, I like him, but he just misses games. He's only played over 65 games twice in two of his seven um, seven seasons. And Kyle Lowry, again, you know, 36 years of age, hasn't played over 65 games in the last four seasons either. So, bit of a, an injury risk sort of tier um, here with these three guys. And, you know, once again, you know, managers will have to ask themselves, you know, when I get to this point in the draft, you know, do I feel comfortable taking one of these guys or do I need to get, you know, um, one of the guys we spoke about in, in tier eight um, prior to them and then, you know, pass on this and find another position in this range of the draft? Yeah, because after this, it gets, it's a little bit iffy. In yeah, terms exactly. of these guys, like uh, this is this is really the, the cutoff. You can't. Larry is falling into the top, you know, outside the top one hundred in some spots. Now, there's tier ten people will criticize this one for sure. Matt, I tend to agree with you because I think he's going to start. I know he's going to miss games, but I think he's going to start. He might play more minutes than he played last season, and I think he's going to be valuable. Not if you want assists, because that's not what he does. But Patrick Beverly provides fantasy value when he's on the court. He hits threes, he grabs rebounds, he gets steals. Um, I don't know what's happening with Russell Westbrook. And we, we are not including Russell Westbrook in these tiers, by the way, because there's just too much uncertainty about where he is, what, what he's doing, the detriments that he has if he plays. Does he even play for the Lakers? Does he get bought out and not get signed anywhere? I, I, I'm i not... He's just not someone I'm drafting, Westbrook. But Beverly in tier 10, you probably don't have to draft him here. You can slide him down a little bit more. But I, I think he's a guy that should get drafted in, in every standard league, really. Yeah, I know I tend to agree. And I think once you get to maybe that 100 spot, nice sort of range for Pat Bev and he will come in and have those stretches of maybe two, three weeks of value when he does, you know, the assists, the steals, the threes, like you said, but then, you know, you know, he's going to get injured at some point and then he goes back to the waiver wire and then you just stream through, you know, the next, the next top player. So um, yeah, fine taking Pat Bev with the last couple of picks in your draft. And then we go on to the last tier. There are some guys in here. I would take over Beverly. Um, Number one of those is Trey Jones. I would be really interested in taking him. We don't know that he's going to start. They might decide to put Josh Primo in as the starting point guard. I don't think they will, but they very well could. You've got Mike Conley. We don't know where he's going to play. Um, I don't think the Jazz will just sit him down and not play him if they don't trade him. There's Markel Fultz. There's Malcolm Brogdon. There's Monty Morris. So you've got two, one guaranteed starter in Monty Morris there. Conley, we're not sure about. Fultz, we think he's going to start, but not sure. Brogdon will become off the bench, definitely. And Trey Jones probably starts. So... Yeah, you know, I'm. I really focus on Jones and Fultz out of this group personally. Which are the guys that you focus in out of that, that group of guys? Yeah, they're they're the same names, Jones and Fultz. And when I spoke about Josh Giddy and the elite assist, Trey Jones is is that yep. probably literally that last guy who you can pencil in for maybe six or seven assists per game. Um, had a, some really nice games and numbers. 
um, late last season as a starter, average 13 and a half, 4.6 rebounds, seven and a half assists and one steal. Doesn't hit threes, but that's fine. You can find that elsewhere and stream that in. Uh, Markel Fultz, I, I quite like as a sleeper as well. I just think that it's going to be a bit of a timeshare between him and Cole Anthony, but we'll wait to see how that plays out in training camp. White Conley, he'll be moved soon. Um, Monty Morris, he's he's fine, but there's limited upside, I think, um, yep. particularly while Beal and Porzingis are healthy and Malcolm Brogdon in that six-man role, six role. So um, Jones and Fultz, definitely the two later on in drafts that I'm definitely keen on. Some of the guys that we don't have, like we don't have Spencer Dinwiddie listed. For a points league, he would be up probably in tier nine. He's better there, but he does have some real issues with both percentages and a complete lack of rebound steals and blocks, which is like the Jar Morant problem, but significantly worse because he's not doing everything else in volume. But he can bring assists, he can bring points, and that might be important for you. But just in general, he's probably behind these guys. Um, Cole Anthony, we don't have in there, but if you believe he's going to take that job over Fultz, then go ahead and, and draft him. We know that the deficiencies in his game in terms of uh, shooting, as we said, Sexton and Simons, they're in the um, shooting guard tier, so we're not including them here. Guys like Jalen Suggs are in that group as well. Bones Heil and Chris Duarte, those sort of players are in that group. Tyler Hero, another guy with point guard eligible, Tyrese Maxey, uh, Jordan Poole, we're all classing those guys as shooting guards, so we're not including them here uh, in this group. Matt, is there anyone else? Like We find it hard to find point guards, out of these guys that we've all done, these 11 tiers, is there anyone else that you would look at and go, all right, I'm in my last round. I'm going to take a flyer on someone and, and see what happens. Probably the one name that is missing, particularly when we spoke about um, balls injuries, then Alex Caruso brings him into play, whether that you want to class him as a point guard or a shooting guard. But we saw again last season, you know, with the assists and steals in particular, had some nice value. The efficiency isn't there. Um, but, that's probably like John Wall. I'm not interested in. No, I'm okay with um, Wall in the last round. I'm, I, much more, much more than Reggie Jackson. Yeah, I, I just don't like the Clippers roster. It's too deep. It's very the fifteen back to backs. It's just uh, TJ McConnell maybe as well. Maybe. Like can see how how he starts off. Um, we He'll know be a good he streamer be, at least. Yeah, excellent streamer for assists and steals as well. So um, they're probably a, a couple of names if if you're going into 14 and 16 team um, plus leagues. The other ones I reckon you look at there is um, uh, Ricky Rubio when he returns. You don't mm-hmm. draft him, but you look at, at grabbing him. We said Cole Anthony already. Um, I'm not that big on Davion Mitchell and his role, but as a last round flyer, I, I don't care. There is some upside in him, I guess. Um, I've seen a lot of people, Matt, drafting Tyre Stones, and I know in one of those drafts, it's because they made a mistake and thought it was Trey Jones. I don't <laughs> think he... I've done two mock drafts, and he's been drafted in both of them. I don't really understand it, but... Yeah. That, that's what's happening. Um, I think people are making that mistake. So just be careful that you're grabbing Trey Jones and not Ty Stones. Even though Tyus is going to be an elite um, replacement when Morant gets hurt, Morant's not hurt. And I don't know if there's enough upside in grabbing him with a last pick when there are other guys that you can take, uh, take cracks at towards the end of a draft that might have a little bit more day-to-day upside versus very specific time frames. Yep, well said. Okay, that'll do us. For this one, Maddie, that is point guards done. We'll be back and do shooting guards really, really soon. I don't know what it'll be, maybe a couple of hours. We'll see when it comes out. But Matt, thank you for jumping on and chatting about the point guards with me. Anytime, mate. And to prompt you, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Sports. Follow Josh on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble. Subscribe to Basketball Monster for all your projections, draft tracker, tools, my articles, live chats, um, whatever it is you want. We've got it. So talk to you soon, Josh. Yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be chatting straight after this, but we're going to wrap up this show now, Matt. We'll come back and talk shooting guards. Um, guys, don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, 
Spotify, and on Odyssey. If you're on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.